Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Libro Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical Libro Cube. This is who I am. That's me. Jordan Maywood, lackadaisical Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over, Monday. You gotta make room for some movies. And Monday, you are a fat fucking slob. So, you know what, Monday? Get the hell out of here. No, I don't care. Leave. Alright, now that Monday's gone, let's just talk about movies instead on this Movie Monday episode of the Lackadaisical Liberal Gaming Glass Podcast. Something I like to say at the top of every show is there will be spoilers. I like saying that because there will be spoilers. So, that warning covers my ass like so very, very much underwear. Thank you, spoiler warning, for warning of spoilers. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that, if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No! That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow or larger, because you can somehow, according to the English language, you could say, and it'll grow smaller. That doesn't make sense, but it is technically Englishly correct. We don't want to grow smaller, though. We want to grow larger. And passing the podcast on to a friend would help us accomplish that. The us I am referring to is, of course, the podcast us, like the royal us. All very interesting English-related things. Movie Monday English edition. Although, aren't they all? Zoot lore. All of that said, will of course take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is Riddick Glowing Eyes Cream. Once again, today's sponsor is Riddick Glowing Ice Cream. Delicious. Okay, so a uh, little behind-the-scenes action, and that is I am recording... Recording. <laughs> Speaking of English, that's a new word I'm trying to get going. Recording. Recording just the opening of this movie Monday episode right now. Just the tip, as they say. Just because um, further behind-the-scenes action, and that is I recorded a... Internet day on this same drive home, and uh, it worked out that my next episode's going to be a movie Monday, so I had some time to kill because I finished early on that one. So it's all sort of a, a roly poly, timey wimey, TARDIS car related thing. Basically, what's going to happen now is that in moments you will hear a sound that indicates a transition is happening. You will hear that sound after I push. 
this button that says transition. Pushing now. Transition. Movie the first, Captain Phillips. Uh, I think this is the first year ever, really, that I've... Uh, I don't know if I've necessarily paid attention to Oscar and Emmy and whatever nominated films, but uh, I have watched a lot of them. In fact, two of them in this episode. And uh, I'll give you a hint, <laughs> Riddick is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, Captain Phillips and Nebraska are the two. But first, we're going to start with Captain Phillips. Felix? primarily for the reason that it was the first one I watched, and 90-some-odd percent of the time, I talk of the movies in the order that I watch them. I can't think of a reason why I would not do so, so that is what I do. I do what I do, and that's how I do. Do you? Oh, I hate that one. Uh, this stars Tom Hanks as the titular... <laughs> titular. Captain Phillips... Based on true events, uh, I think I always mention that when they say that at the top of a movie, based on true events, I take that with a heaping, heaping grain of salt. A grain of salt the size of your head, basically. A very, very large salt grain. Captain Phillips is the captain of a container ship, although from the sounds of it, and I guess this is how it works, it's not necessarily his ship that he's always the captain on. The company, in this case, uh, Maersk, which is one of the largest container companies in the world, shipping companies, uh, will hire captains to pilot their ships, and you don't necessarily get the same ship each, each time. That, that kind of idea. Almost a freelance captaining is kind of the, the feel it had to it, which is uh, interesting. This particular trip, Captain Phillips, a.k.a. Tom Hanks, no, is traveling in uh, African waters off the coast of Somalia, which, as we all know, is pirate, pirate city, man. Pirate city. Yeah, uh, there was an interesting article in, was it Wired? I think it might have been in Wired. Anyways, I remember recently reading an article about pirating, and, it, and it's a big thing, man, and it's ridiculously large when you compare what has been done to stop it, which is virtually nothing, seemingly. The amount of money they are losing versus the amount of money they are putting in to stop piracy, it's not a good ratio, and it is not stopping, and it's probably even getting worse. And from the sounds of it, a lot of it is not necessarily uh, getting a ship like this, and then getting the goods, and then selling the goods a la pirates, but more kidnappy in the sense that they'll get a ship like this, and then they'll hold the captain and crew hostage, and then ransom them off, and that's where they get uh, most of their money. Oh, you know what it was? It was a TED Talk. Yeah, it was a TED Talk that I actually brought back on a front internet day. And uh, I remember this part. I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was somewhere in the hundreds that at any given moment in time, as in right now, there are hundreds of people being held captive by Somali pirates, Waiting, uh, awaiting ransom, so that's just a friggin' crazy number. And perhaps we should do something to, uh, I don't know, stop that. Apparently cargo ships such as this, and this wasn't by any means a huge one. Oh, just gonna pass this bus here. Speeding up. Like a Somali pirate did to catch the ship. Ah, bringing it around. Anyways, uh, 
I don't know how often or accurate this is, but uh, container ships such as this have various pirate countermeasures in effect. I think the coolest one was the hoses that uh, they can turn on that are pointing all around the ship in every direction that just shoot like fire hose strength streams of water at any ships that are trying to uh, get people on board them that sort of idea. Then throughout the ship there are gates that are locked with uh, like padlock and key. <coughs> Something I thought interesting of that is Captain Phillips noticed that none of the gates were locked so he was upset uh, and then he had the his I don't know I guess his second in command number two William T. Riker let's call him uh, go around and re-padlock all of these gates that were supposed to stop pirates. The pirates would come to these gates and then just shoot the lock. It would probably save a matter of seconds in their pirating. This is one of, those, one of those things that seemed like it might have been added to the movie for the purposes of awesomeness, was that uh, there was a scene where Captain Phillips sort of faked out the pirates with something along the lines of going over the radio, knowing that they were listening in and saying something like, okay, good, well, good army, uh, good navy, we'll, we'll see you in five minutes then, because you're going to be here to rec rescue us in five minutes. We'll see you then, when, in fact, they were not on their way to rescue them. But uh, it held them off for a little while, a little while. Folks, I have to stop and get a little of the old gasoline, or as we say in Canada, go-go juice, because we call gasoline go-go juice. I cannot stress this enough that you have to just trust that that is the case and do not do any research into this fact. Please and spank you. Back in a moment. Editing. 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 Road again. That was the On the Road Again remix. Thank you for that voice box. Let's see, what have we said about Captain Phillips? We've got locks. Oh yeah, uh, this is a part again possibly added for the purposes of making the movie interesting more so than it would be if they told the actual real story. Very cynical. I'm not usually too cynical, but when it comes to based on a true story, my cynicism amps up, cranks up to 11. Uh, this was that they had a safe in the boat that contained within it was $30,000. So there reached a point in the film where the Somali pirates had the possibility to take this $30,000, leave, and not get caught. But they decided to go for broke. And um, it didn't work out well. Let's just say, for them. <laughs> uh, eventually, we reach a point where the crew of the ship, basically, they get a little Mexican standoffy, where they have one of, where they have the leader of the Somali pirates, and the Somali pirates have the captain. They do an exchange, but it turns out that Somali pirates are not trustworthy. What? Yeah, there's a double cross. The bastards. They end up taking just the captain. I guess presuming that uh, the captain, if anyone aboard ship, will get them the most money in rap ransom. Sure. Then there's a, a large chunk of the movie with the captain in the lifeboat, and uh, shit going from bad to worse there, and the eventual army rescue 
where he's got a little of the old, uh, little of the old, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder from his ordeal. See, I didn't give away too, too much. You, you assume he doesn't die. I, I assume that you assume that he didn't die, and he did not, in fact, die. So, other than that, I didn't give too much away. Uh, rating. Rating kind of tough, actually. Um, does, uh movie based on a true story, does that add any sort of interest, any flair, any to my rating? I don't know. Or, does a movie based on a true story mean it's harder to make it interesting because real life is not usually very interesting? Yeah, you can kind of go both ways there. Uh, I didn't... It's not that I didn't like this. Tom Hanks in a movie is never bad, so there's that. He should, uh, I think, does much Betty. Betty much better in movies where it's not necessarily comedy, but where there's moments where he can be comedic, perhaps, where this is, he's, he's never really at all a funny guy. Like, even in, say, Castaway, there were moments of lightheartedness where this, there never really was, and uh, maybe that kind of brought me down. So I'm going to go, and I hate giving half ratings, but I kind of feel I have to. I'm going to go two and a half. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't really care for it too, too much. Sadness. I hate doing that to a Tom Hanks movie because he's such a nice guy. So I feel bad for doing it, but I did it nonetheless. Okay, so moving on to Nebraska, starring, primarily starring, Bruce Dern and Will Forte, or Will Fort, if you prefer. But he probably wouldn't prefer that because it's Forte. Yes? I think maybe right off the bat just say that this movie is in black and white. Huh. Yeah, I've, uh, I can't remember last time I watched a black and white movie. Maybe just off the top of my head what I think it is, is uh, Coffee and Cigarettes. I think that was the name of the film. Uh, Bill Murray is in it. That one. Anyways, I find with black and white movies that uh, quite often, this case falls into the category as well, that uh, at first you'll be like, what? This is a black and white movie? Oh, man. And then, by the end of it, you don't even notice anymore. It does have a slight, perhaps, level of, uh, hey, look at me, I'm a arty movie pretension to it when it's in black and white, I, I, I think. Maybe that's just me. But uh, overall, the black and white, no real opinion one way or the other. I think it works fine for this movie. Okay, so we'll leave, we'll leave that where it is. Bruce Dern is playing a, uh, a guy who's sort of seemingly on the verge of Alzheimer's, or perhaps slightly into having Alzheimer's, and uh, he's got it in his mind that he has won the lottery. He got something in the mail that said, basically, fill this out, send it in, and you're going to be a millionaire. Uh, just how many magazine subscriptions do you want, and then let us know how many you want, and then, well, you, you, you're probably a millionaire if you just subscribe to these magazines, probably. So, uh, obviously a scam, but his sort of adult Alzheimer'd slashed, slashed, it hasn't been slashed, former alcoholic still drinking a little bit brain has got it in it, that uh, he's just got to go to Nebraska to hand in this little piece of paperwork, and they're going to give him millions of dollars. So the movie starts with him just walking along the side of the road, cops, uh, pull over and say, are you all right? Are you all right, buddy? That kind of idea. And repeatedly, he's trying to make his way there. He doesn't have his license anymore. I guess it was taken away. 
and he just really, really wants to go. It's like, that's all he thinks about. It's ingrained in his very DNA that he's gotta go. Every waking moment is consumed with this very thought. So, Will Forte, his son, decides that really the only way to get this over with, get over this hump, let's say, is to take him to Nebraska. So, thus starts the road trip. This is kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, a little bit, a buddy road trip movie, kind of, for sections of it. Yeah. Uh, I think you could probably put this movie into a very, very dark comedy, dramedy area, and it would fit fairly well. And uh, if you know anything of my love of movies, it is that I love a dark comedy. This probably a little lighter on the comedy, higher on the drama, maybe a little bit. But still, I loved it. Uh, on their journey to Nebraska, from wherever they were, I don't remember, they uh, drive through Bruce Dern's former hometown to uh, visit the fam, check out all the sites, see the old homestead, things of that nature. Word gets out with the fam that he has won all this money and is going to be a millionaire. So that's when sort of the vultures start circling. Uh, Will Forte tries many, many times unsuccessfully to tell all these people that it's just a scam. You know, Dad, he's, he's, his brain's not what it used to be. He's not actually a millionaire. No one buys him. No one believes him. Everyone thinks he's going to be a millionaire and starts asking for money and saying, oh, you owe me this, you owe me this. Uh, one guy in particular, played by played by Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach, uh, I know for me, and I assume for many others, is potentially a name of an actor you do not recognize. However, if you go over to IMBD, or IMDB if you prefer, and type in Stacy Keach, or even Google, type it there, or even Bing. Well, no, don't, don't go to Bing. I, I, I'm sure this is an actor you'll probably recognize. He's very aggressively going after Bruce Dern, saying that, uh, you owe me money, remember I lent you all this money, blah, blah, blah. It uh, almost comes to blows. In fact, I think maybe it does at the end. Uh, eventually, the mom shows up in this town. <laughs> She's got a lot of nice, not very nice things to say about the town and the people and Bruce Dern's family and parents and parentage. Uh, she was good in this. There's a scene where Bruce Dern has it in his brain as well that uh, the state Stacy Keach character stole one of his compressors way back in the day. So uh, he keeps sort of harping on that. And his sons, because his other son comes, played by Bob Odenkirk, decide, you know what, we're going to steal it back for you, Pops. Which they then proceed to do from a, uh, a farmhouse. They get a little ways down the road. And Bruce Dern realizes he's made a mistake in the location of Stacy Keach's house. And they've actually just stole it from uh, some neighbors of theirs from the past. Just a little example of the hijinks of this movie. There's some low jinks as well. Very, very sad when sort of his family, Bruce Dern's family, and all the townsfolk come to the realization that uh, it was a sort of scam all along. And they kind of laugh at him. It almost has the feel that it's not phasing Bruce Dern, but uh, deep down it is. That was sad. Eventually, as you do, you reach the conclusion of the movie, which is uh, Bruce Dern and Will Forte 
make it to Nebraska, make it to the the prize slash magazine subscription company. They go in, and uh, it turns out, no, he didn't win. He kind of takes it in stride, but again, there's that, he's not saying it outright because he's of that generation of men that wouldn't say their feelings outright, even when they're they're hit pretty hard like he was. And uh, Will Forte, sad for his dad, decides that because his dad keeps talking that with his winnings, he's going to buy a truck. That's all he ever talks about. What are you going to do with your millions? So I'll probably buy a truck. <laughs> Will Forte turns in his car and buys a truck and makes his father a partial owner of said truck, despite the fact that he can't drive. There's a little scene at the end where he's in the truck and tells his son to duck down so no one can see him and he's driving through his old, old home home. <laughs> old hometown and people are like waving at it saying hey good for you 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 demand i don't think they said you demand but it had that sort of vibe to it and it was a, a kind of happy bittersweet ending he didn't get his millions he got his truck he's suffering the slow decline of alzheimer's but he's got one sort of final fond memory and i liked it uh i'm gonna go oh geez rating I think I'll go uh, four. Yeah, I debated giving it a five. Maybe a few more laughs I would have given it a five. But uh, no, solid, solid four. Folks, I got one more movie, which I will do after I finish this work a day. I will say for now, though, love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back! We are back! We are back! 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 We are back! Back in action! Hello! <laughs> Boom, he dead. So, uh, let's continue on into, on into this, on into, on into this Movie Monday episode with a little film. Going with our theme of Academy Award nominees, a little little indie flick by the title of Riddick. Riddick, as in Chronicles of, not Narnia, as in Pitch Black, which some people probably may not realize is the sort of within this series. Uh, I'm a big fan of Riddick in general. Uh, all the movies I've thoroughly enjoyed. Some of the video games also very, very good. Uh, I like him as a character. That sort of uber badass who uh, who's a badass and knows it. That's what I think I like about him. Cocky, which I hate cocky, so it's strange that I like him, but uh, I think it's because his cockiness always seems to be warranted. Now, these are not... I was just... If, if you were... If, <laughs> what the fuck? Anyways, uh, if you think I was being serious about the whole uh, Academy Award dominated and these are very good films, no, they're movies, they're flicks, they're not going to win awards, they're just delightful turn-your-brain-off romps, and for that reason, I like them. So, it's kind of strange, and I don't think I'm alone in this fact, that I could put a movie like this uh, at a 4 out of 5, and yet, at the same time, give that uh, Nebraska four to five. I had equal amounts of enjoyment for two totally, totally, totally different reasons. And that's allowed. If it's not allowed, well, that just doesn't make any sense. 
This movie stars Vin Diesel as the titular, <laughs> I got to say titular again, as the titular Riddick. I, I kind of heard a little behind-the-scenes action on this movie in that uh, it sounds like Vin Diesel put a lot of his own money into this to get this thing made. Uh, in that same interview, which I think I may have brought back on a TV Tuesday, uh, he was on Jimmy Kimmel, if I do recall. These are all vague memories, so don't quote me on these. But uh, he spoke a little bit of that, and I also got the impression that potentially he is a little on the religious side, thanking God for allowing him to do movies such as this. So, I should probably take a mark off <laughs> of this movie, just for that reason alone. But I won't. I won't. Also in this movie, probably, I would imagine, the next biggest star, at least for me, for me, is a, a Miss Katie Sackoff, who you may remember from a program, specifically Battlestar Galactica, which uh, I don't know if I was watching that while I was doing the podcast. I kind of think I watched it pre-podcast, or did I watch it and bring a bunch back? No, I think it was pre-podcast. I think it was pre-podcast. Or no, no. BP. Oh, that's got some negative connotations. Before podcast. BP. Not British Petroleum, but BP before podcast. Uh, the cast itself is actually quite large, which uh, I'll get into in a moment. So those are just the two standouts for me, for, for this guy. I am not exactly 100% sure where this movie takes place within the Rennick uh, multiverse as far as timeline. And uh, I don't think it really matters. The story is he was, I guess you would say, tricked onto a planet that was inhospitable, to say the least. And uh, had a bit of, uh, off the bat here, a kind of uh, castaway, which is funny. Because I think I mentioned Castaway this morning when talking uh, Tom Hanks and Caston, Caston, Captain Phillips. So uh, kind of interesting. It, it, just in the fact that he's on this in his, in this in his, oh my god, let's try it in English this time. He's in this inhospitable environment and has to use his wits and his brains and his brawn in order to overcome various os- obstacles in uh, cool ways. Because this planet is goddamn shitty. Uh, I actually wrote in my notes, uh, Little Robinson Caruso-E. So yeah, that kind of vibe as well. And I guess uh, Man Friday would come in the form of this kind of hyena dog-like thing that he raised from a puppy. Ah, So it gives you sort of, throughout this whole section, a sense of uh, a fair amount of time is passing. Now, the reason he raised it from a puppy is not altogether nice. Uh, He sees in the distance an area of this planet that looks less shitty than where he is right now. Now, I don't get why he can't go around this certain area to reach the beautiful place, but there's this giant sort of monster scorpion thing that he has to get by in order to reach this. Anyways, suspend my disbelief. And uh, the first thing is he tests some of the poison of these monsters on a whole bunch of these dogs, which isn't very nice. Although the dogs, I suppose, are trying to kill him, so... One of the reasons he does this is because he wants to become immune to the poison. Uh, And it's more of a paralyzing poison, I think, than a kill-you poison. 
So his thought is, I have to go against this thing. The odds are that I'm going to get poisoned, because that's sort of this monster's M.O., modus operandi. So uh, I may as well be as prepared as I can and try to develop an immunity to it. So, you know. <coughs> yeah, see, I think that's another thing I like about Riddick. Despite the fact that he's sort of super, super badass and mano a mano of fisticuffs, you're not going to beat him. But he does try to use his brain, and I think the reason that he has to often use his brain is because the odds against him are usually stacked well against him. So he uh, makes past this point and starts just basically kind of living life up on these uh, planes, I guess you would call them. Eventually, he and his dog, sitting around, shooting the shit, eating some stuff, come across, uh, I guess, a base that was placed by army personnel on this planet. It's been abandoned, but they're kind of using it to hole up in. And then the rains start to come. Now, you're thinking, well, every once in a while, a nice rainy day can be pleasurable, right? Well, no. I don't know how he knows it. Maybe he's become familiar with these monsters before. But that same monster he had to get by lives within the water. So the fact that the rains are coming, I guess you would call it the rainy season is coming, means that these bad things will eventually reach these planes. So it's time for him to hightail it out of there. So uh, he sets off a distress sig signal in this abandoned base. In the signal, he actually lets people know that it's him for the reason that uh, it's going to mean bounty hunters come after him because he's probably, in fact, is the most wanted man in the whole universe. And the bounty on his head would make you richer than kings. Than kings, I tell you. So not one, not three, but two teams of peoples land on this planet with the sole purpose of capturing and or killing Riddick. Oh, wait. That's where the large cast comes in. Because you have the team of just mean, badass, evil, I guess we'll call them bounty hunters, and then the team of army folk whose leader has a grudge against Riddick, but also believes in truth and justice and the um, space marine way, let's say. Uh, Riddick, using his smarts, uh, sort of wheedles them down a little bit. Uh, eventually it reaches the point, though, where it's kind of too late. The, the rains have come, and therefore the giant-ass monsters have come, and then they start picking off people one by one. Uh, just before that, Riddick's like, okay, well, I give up. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite things of Riddick that I think happens in just about every Riddick movie, and that is he will be captured. In this case, captured on purpose, but captured nonetheless. And he will be tied up, and they always tie him up in such a way that he's like with his arms crossed, and I, I don't really know why that is. No, his arms outstretched a la Jesus, huh? and he's religious, so maybe he thinks he's Jesus. Yeah, I never thought of that. Anyways, it's the attitude of a Riddick who is captured and sort of trussed up that uh, I very much enjoy. Just the fact that the example in this that I'm going to give away is that the main sort of bounty hunter bad guy asshole, he says to him, in just about two minutes, 
I'm going to be free of these chains, chains, and I'm going to kill you with that machete that you're holding in your hand. <laughs> oh, what a freaking badass. And don't you know it? He does. He does! Uh, the way in which he does it is... Well, I, I can't explain it to the degree that it will be as good as seeing it for yourself. So, basically, watch it for yourself, this movie as a whole. But uh, for that scene in particular, it was my favorite scene. Because there's a little joke, too. And, and I like a little comedy in my... Uh, let's give it away. Decapitations. I love, I love, I love a good comedic decapitation. Comedic decapitation might work its way into the title of this episode. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so then it sets it up for a bit of a quest with the leader of the army folk and Riddick. They have to go get the batteries for these two ships because Riddick managed to, well, steal the batteries for the ship so that they couldn't leave without them, I guess. Anyways, shit goes well, shit goes awry. They have to travel through miles and miles of these sort of writhing monsters who are presumably having sex. I don't know why I presume that, I just kind of do. It's their mating season, is what I'm thinking it is. Uh, they're on these super high-powered flying motorcycles. My god, just the more I talk about this movie, the more I'm liking it. Super-powered flying motor jet motorcycle things through writhing monster bodies during their mating orgy. What? Ah, fuck. They're sort of, as happens between people in movies like this, even when they initially hate each other, uh, sort of respect and admiration develops between Riddick and this army dude, who, in the end, comes back and saves Riddick. So Riddick didn't need to be saved, I, I will admit that. Which uh, was kind of nice, just to see that he's not 100% invincible 100% of the time. Whew. Okay, so final notes on... Riddick, and I kind of don't like that title. I, I wouldn't mind something after it, just because this is, you know, like the, what is it, the third or fourth movie in the series? Come on, call it Riddick 3, 4, with something after the title. Don't just call it Riddick. Jesus. But anyways, final note on this is that you get to see Katie Sackhoff's boobs. So, 5 out of 5, I have decided. Yes, gave it a 4 out of 5 originally, have just decided given it a 5 out of 5. Very much like this movie for very many reasons. Yay it. Yay you! That was a movie Monday. There is no goddamn denying it. I will say, as I do from time to time, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be, won't it? 
be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.